Chase Minifield, Dom Joseph, and Max Millian discuss life lessons they've learned as young entrepreneurs in the business world. Join them as they debate current events, business topics, and enjoy a few laughs with their weekly guests. And now for today's show. What up, what up? Here we are with another episode of the CTC Podcast, Cut the Check Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Minister, coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. We have on the line today, Dom Joe. What up, Joe? What's up, world? Happy to be here, coming to you live from Philly, uptown, like always. And we have on the line, Max Million. Max, like... Nah, man, it's ridiculous, <laughs> bro. I can't keep doing this. Um... But no, we got another edition of the Who's Where podcast today. Our, this is the youngest UVA alum guest that we've had so far. I'm going to let her tell her story as far as, you know, what she's doing now. But Luam, what's up, Luam? How you doing? What's up, guys? I'm honored to have been chosen to speak in your podcast. I'm yeah, excited. it's going to be a good one. So class of 2017, you said? Yes, 2017. So what is that now? Three years ago? Yeah, you, so you fresh cool. out. Um, that's fresh. not fresh. That's fresh. <laughs> that's pretty fresh. Well, you turn, we, we, yeah, that, that's fresh, man. Right? You know, we we thirty now. That's pretty fresh. It's twenty twenty. <laughs> it's twenty twenty, and uh, twenty twenty don't even really count. You know what I'm saying? So really, yeah. it really is twenty nineteen. So I'm, I'm just gonna say two years out. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking that, like, because you know how next year is like Black Alumni Weekend. Black Alumni Weekend happens Weekend. next year. Yeah. yeah. So, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's gonna be four years that I'm out of school. Like, I'm so old." And you guys are like, "No." <laughs> yeah. Nah. All right, we're gonna jump into this, but I'm gonna start right out the gate. Don has a question, and he wants to get it out, and I think this is a good way to start to learn about you in general. So, I'll go ahead and okay. uh, hold on. Max just texted me, said, "Send the number." Oh, I gotta adjust it. <laughs> no, no, don't send him nothing, man. We got to get it. Send we got to get it. Send the number. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. All right. Dom, go ahead and ask your question, man. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. All right. Hey, man. Oh, man. All right. Anyway, so um, when Chase sent, sent us your profile, I noticed that you had the Eritrean flag. And this is the thing. I don't know anybody from Eritrea, and uh, I'm a history major, so I loosely... Oh, wow. Yeah, so I loosely um, kind of know what went on over there. And to me, you know, I know you guys are part of Ethiopia, right? And I did mm-hmm. a little bit of reading. I did a little reading since my question. But from the outside looking in, it feels like y'all just, like, have, like, little brother syndrome. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to know, why did y'all really secede from Ethiopia? How did the war even start? And y'all just look like, oh, no disrespect, I'm just saying, Eritrea looks like Ethiopia's little brothers on the inside. So I, I just want to hear your take on it and, you know, from somebody that's 100% Eritrean. I never even talked to anybody <laughs> from there. So. Yeah, no, um, I mean, it's definitely, like, a good question to ask, um, especially if you're not too familiar with, you know, the history behind it. Um, I know it could look that way based off of what you said, but um, in all honesty, so Eritrea actually used to be its own country before it was with Ethiopia. So um, I don't, I know you guys, as a history major, you probably know there was like a lot of colonization that happened in Africa. Um, Eritrea. Yeah. So Eritrea was once colonized by Italy um, for a long period of time. And Italy decided it was pretty much like, okay, they weren't trying to like, you know, take over Eritrea anymore. So they kind of sold it to Britain and then Britain didn't want to control anymore. So then they told Ethiopia, hey, you guys, let's, you guys should rule together and have two separate governments and, you know, kind of just be two in one. And it was kind of an agreement. So, but throughout this time that I'm talking, I mean, I'm talking about like 18, I'm sorry, like early 1900s type of, you know, I'm just fast forwarding for you guys because, you know, we don't have too much time, but. Um, fast forward to like, I think it was like around 1950s, 1960s, where, um, we joined with Ethiopia. And then instead of Ethiopia, 
allowing us to kind of be equal with them, it just kind of became a takeover. And I and the war started with with a point where Eritrea was just kind of fed up with not having their own control for so long because they were colonized by two different European countries and now they're taken over by Ethiopia. So it was just kind of like, I'm over this <laughs> type of energy. Um, yeah. Then that's when the war started in 1971. And yeah. it was a 30-year war, yeah, and it ended in 1991 where we got our independence on May 24th. Um, and there's no beef. Like, I mean, like the beef kind of is like maybe more like my parents' generation. Like they kind of have some like... Some some of them might have hostility. So I'm like, you say that comment about like little brothers. I'm thinking like, ooh, my mom heard you say that. <laughs> she, she would be like, excuse me, <laughs> um, because like they had siblings. Like they they were the ones who fought in the war to get our independence. So for them, it's a little bit more personal because they actually lived through the time of like not being able to tell people they were Eritrean because they were taken over. Um, but yeah. So that's pretty much the history behind it. But now we're cool. I I feel like we're very similar. Our culture is very similar. Our language is different. We um, but our alphabet is the same. Similar to like Spanish, English, same alphabet, different pronunciation. Um, same thing with our languages as well. So, you know, we're like brother that's and sister. Mm-hmm. That's what's up, man. I like that. Okay, y'all been. I didn't know y'all been through the ringer like that though. Sorry, I didn't hear that. I said, I didn't know y'all been through the ringer like that, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's an, ex- it's an ex- I like gave you like a very, very, very fast forward version. So um, it's very extensive, but it's also something that they appreciate. Like if you were to ever go to Eritrea, a lot of the European influences are still there. Um, like a lot of the Italian and their architecture and so forth. It's actually pretty cool. And a lot of people good speak Italian. Lesson. Y'all gave us a good history lesson to start the podcast, and Max tried to sneak on there while that was going. Max, you want to jump on, bro? You here? What's going on, man? I'm here. Always been here. Hey, man, baby. don't don't ever text me what the number is again, bro. Don't ever text me what the number is again, bro. All right? Yeah, hey, man. That's unacceptable, Look, Max. What's going on, man? Your, your professionalism has gone down, bro, in the last couple months, no, man. No, it's not. Here's the thing. First of all, I can't believe we changed oh, the time it. from recording without even asking anybody. At least I usually ask them to change the time. Second of all, when we have a different time and a different day, can, can we can't get a 20-minute, like, hey, you know, re- remember text or something like that? Nothing. <laughs> Remember? You forgot. Text? Oh, you just oh, you just you forgot, man. Yeah, I hundred percent forgot we we're we we're on tonight. I ain't gonna lie. Hey, know, the holiday, is, I don't even care about him forgetting about that we all. I care about him forgetting about the phone number to get into the podcast. You know what I'm saying? We use the Bro, same I, phone number every week, and then you go sit here and say, hey, "What's the number? Get it to me." It's <laughs> the same phone number, number every week. On my phone. I got a new phone. It was it hey, my Hey, almost, almost I, lost it. Almost but, lost it, bro. Almost lost all composure. <laughs> 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 I had to look back to old text to get the joke. I got a new phone. Well now since we got that hand up. Looking for an extra third leg. We looking for an extra third leg right now, man. That next thing being reliable. All right. All I know is this, bro. All I know is this. We we give them a pass for being late and then then we get text. Send me the number for the five. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Look, All right. You know what I'm saying? You can't make this up. You can't make this up, man. Here we are. But nah, we in. So my mom's on here. She's already given us the history lesson of Eritrea and Ethiopia. Um, which I didn't know nothing about to be honest with you. Um, but Dom, he he first thing I said when I said you were gonna be on and he was like, Oh, I got a question right out the gate. Um <laughs> That's so, a good question to ask, though. I was, I mean, you know, it's it's something that I actually used to take pride when I was in high school to teach, like, explain to people what Eritrea was, and because it was like, you know, our independence was '91, so still very new and fresh. That's fresh. Yeah. Yeah, so. for sure. Mm-hmm. That's so so. So, when did you get to the states? No, well, I was born. You <laughs> I was born, born in here. the states, so yeah, definitely was, it's not your. It's, so it's definitely not your fight, fight. Yeah, it's definitely. It's not my fight, like, at all. Um, it was more okay. like my parents. I mean, they came, my dad came to America before um, the war. He, like, came in as a refugee and then um, ended up getting his citizenship and so forth. And my mom, he went back to Eritrea after the war was over and met my mom. And then they got married eventually. And had me. 
So, yeah. um, and it, in America. So yeah, I was born in Washington, D.C. Born in D.C. Born and raised in D.C. The DMV. So born um, and raised. Have you been? How was your? You have I know? been? Yeah, I was. Um, he he was asking, have I been? I was actually there in January, right before Corona hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but funny to know, actually, coronavirus was happening in January in China. You know, there's a lot of Chinese yeah. people in Eritrea, and I was like, oh my goodness, I gotta go to America. <laughs> I was like, we gotta get out of here. The coronavirus is coming to Eritrea. And next thing you know, I go to America and it comes to us. So I was like, I should have stayed my ass in there. <laughs> Sorry, I should have stayed my ass in there. Yeah, I've been a few times. DMV, DMV space. So what brought you to UVA? Let's start with that. What, how did you end up at UVA? Why did you go to UVA? Hmm. Money. <laughs> um, UVA. So funny things. I'm technically like the oldest. I'm the oldest from my parents. Um, and so I don't know, too, they didn't go to college, so I didn't know too much about college. And when I was, um, a, a junior, yeah, junior in high school, some, one this girl I know who was older was so pressed to get into UVA. And I was just like, I don't know too much about the school, but you that pressed, so it must be a good school. Um, so then eventually did I did she, more did research. Did she end up going to UVA? Or? Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. Okay. <laughs> she did end up going to UVA. <laughs> Um, and then, so it was some, it was a girl that went to my church. So then, um, eventually I looked into it. So then, um, I, and then I really wanted to go when I found out how good it was and it wasn't too far away from home, but far enough that my parents can't just pop up on me. So, um, yeah. So then when I got in, um, they also offered me a full ride to go. So it just, you know, can't beat that when you go to a good school and don't have to pay for it. Um, so That's it was awesome. just, yeah, it was kind of, it was just like made the most sense based off of the schools I applied to as well. Did you want to kind of stay close to the fam though? Yeah, I just, I knew that like I had more leverage to try to get a car <laughs> if I was closer. I was like, I yeah. can, I can do it a little bit, you know, trying to push my parents to help me out a little bit with purchasing a car and, um, it was, it's, yeah, it was like easier for me to be like, it was like two hour drive from Northern Virginia. So, um, I was like away from home, but not too away from home. So it worked out in that way. And, but you know, UVA got a whole bunch of people that go there. Yeah. Um, a lot of people from the Sand Five, a lot of people from, you know, up north, down south. So it was cool too. That's me, a whole bunch of new folks. So, so what were you thinking about studying when you went there? What did you go into college thinking you wanted to go study? Yeah, I definitely went in like pretty undecided. Um, as okay. a foreign route, like all foreign parents are trying to make you be either a doctor or a lawyer or engineer. And so one was thinking like, okay, maybe it has to be one of those. But then I was in a bio class and I hated it. So I dropped it <laughs> like the next few days. Um, I was like, this is not for me. Um, so then I just, you know, continued to just take just, you know, the core classes, the classes that we had to take. Um, and eventually, I was gravitated towards the Batten School of Public Policy and Leadership. Um, the admissions director, Kelly Souls, she was awesome. I mean, she kind of pitched Batten to me, and I fell in love. Because, um, I mean, I don't know if you guys are too familiar with Batten, but it's the School of Policy, and their big thing is about how to learn how to make change in different mm-hmm. ways in your life, whether it's nonprofit, whether it's in the business world, whether it's in the government, it's just learning how to make effective change through policy. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool because it seemed like it would be a, um, a major that can help me with my future goals, no matter where I go. I do want to make some type of change and I do want to have some type of purpose with what I do. Silent. So before we get into post-UVA, how was your UVA experience? What was the UVA culture like? Like, what was the... Was it a shock when you got there? Like, just tell us how the UVA experience was for yourself. Yeah, it was um, definitely a shock. <laughs> I went to a very diverse high school. I mean, I mean, it was to the point where there was another girl who had the same name as me. So, um, really? people knew what Eritrea was in my area versus when I went to UVA. It was kind of like, huh, where's that? I don't even know where Ethiopia is. Like, it was just, it was a lot. It was a very, um, eye-opening to know that there was like actually a lot of people who didn't know so much about Africa or just, you know, culture, diversity. Um, 
in general. So, you know, it's predominantly white school. You figure that, but actually going there, you experience it. So it's different. Um, so that was definitely eye opening. But, um, as you guys know, once you get your core group of friends at UVA, um, life just gets better because <laughs> you guys are pretty much going through the same struggles, probably in different majors, but same, you know, things that you're going through in classes and so forth. So once I, um, met my best friends at college, it, it just changed. So it, then it became like, versus like, oh, this is a culture shock to, I love, I'm loving it. No, got to go, wow, you know, and you'd be able to too far from other schools like VCU and, um, let's see, tech, like, you know, all those other schools neighboring around. So get to travel go out to different parties um i mean our parties were not that you know not that great i heard they were better in your time <laughs> when oh, you were really? going there yeah i heard i heard it was better people i remember when i first came in in 2013 the, i remember the fourth year class to be like man like they're not the same no more like, it was like they were talking about the year before and the year before that and i used to be like why what, what's going on now <laughs> i was like what's going on oh, um, like that. But, yeah i mean it was cool it was fun but you know i i don't know my uva experience was like it was very you know there was a lot of things that happened while i was there with the um the girl who died downtown and then oh, the man. whole um the marty situation there was just like a lot <laughs> that went down while i was at uva too so um Dang. a lot of Eye-opening experiences. It's yeah. crazy. But it was a good time. Has like every class has like some big situation happening. Like uh, I know for sure. Like when we were there, like the girl got taken away from the party by the taxi driver uh, at, yep. uh, JP, at uh, JPJ. Like those type of things. Oh, yeah. the, the, cross, the lacrosse girl died. Like yeah, small campus, but things yeah. be happening like that. In every in every single class, man. Just just listening to Lamar speak about the situation that happened when she was there. Like you you just don't think those things would happen in Charlotte, but I guess they happen in every college city somehow. I don't know. But Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I used to be like, I didn't think this would like happen in Charlottesville. I used to think the same way, but it must be like a college ex- I don't know, a college experience, something you have to I don't know. Maybe a UVA experience. <laughs> I have no idea. But um yeah. So with this, with this podcast, I wanted to kind of focus on like, you know, Luan being a younger uh, who's where that we've talked about. I wanted to kind of talk about her experience with coming out of UVA and, and getting a job that she has right now. And also her thought process and, and her job of creating income outside of her job as well. So that's kind of the goal of this situation. Um, so Luan, talk about what you're doing currently, who you work for, what you're doing, all those different type of things. Okay. Cool. Do you want me to talk about um, my transition from UVA to yeah, 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 to my cool. job now? Finding your job, yeah. For my job, okay. Um, yeah. So let's see. Yeah, my fourth year. I mean, you guys know UVA has a lot of resources, um, a lot of ways for you to find a job. And I remember I wanted to work in the public sector, but Trump had just got elected, I believe, when I was my last year, and he had a hiring freeze for the government jobs. I was like, well, why well, I need a job? So <laughs> I started applying to like private sector jobs, which is how I landed at my job now at IBM. Um, so I kind of work in a consultative sales world where um, I work with different federal agencies and um, just kind of manage their contracts and so forth. So just like a kind of a typical role in the consulting world, um, slash sales world. So and I've been in this role for three years now. Um, yeah, I just came in. I just did my three years, the end of August. I got three years. Um, and it's been a great experience. I mean, I didn't think I would like business, but now I love business. And <laughs> through it, I've been able to, like you kind of hinted, start most other streams of income um, just from the job that I have now from IBM. How do you feel like your like classmates have everybody like been pretty uh, successful with finding their first job out of, out of college? How was that mm-hmm. experience as far as not just for you, but for your the people that you're close to that came out around the same time? Yeah, so it was um so I don't know if you 
So UVA is a type of school that if you don't have your job lined up by like winter break, that means you're doing something wrong. As like a like you know typical student experience, like that's what they um, they tell you. Really? And yeah, oh, it's actually I like that. I don't know. Yeah, because I was thinking I was like I don't know if you guys went through that, um, but for us it, it was like during our, our, our time it was very heavy. So when you didn't have a job. People are like, oh, what's going on? You know, like, have you been looking? I'm thinking like, yeah. But I remember from other school, I had friends that went to Towson and like University of Maryland and so forth. And they used to be like, oh, you can just find a job after you graduate. Like, you know, just once you graduate, find a job. And I'm thinking, that is not UVA at all. <laughs> UVA culture is, if you don't have a job when you graduate, there is something wrong with you. Um, so that was so heavy when I was looking for a job. And I didn't actually get my job offer until February. So any young, younger UVA people who are listening to this, it's okay. <laughs> you will get a job. It does not have to be by winter break. Um, but yeah, so it that I remember it was daunting. I was staying up late, you know, all these case studies, trying to get into these consulting jobs. Um, you know, some jobs I got, some jobs I didn't. And it was just a lot. And, you know, you try to do it as fast as you can before you graduate. So it was definitely a lot. But UVA helps because they have a lot of resources. So there's literally a career center everywhere for every major and a bigger one too. So um, going to UVA helped make the process easier for sure. But it was so hard. Yeah. I didn't even know that people were stressed on jobs like that, but I guess my experience was a little different. Max might've had, Max, did you, were you looking for a job before you graduated? Not really. Uh, I mean, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was I, like, you know, fishing around but I was still trying to figure out what I want to do but I guess I was different because I mean I always knew I was going to do something on my own um so I was just kind of trying to find a job in the you know the field I wanted to hold me over but yeah I didn't start looking until probably middle of my uh, spring semester I mean I definitely tried to get one lined up um before I like left school but um I, I wasn't really stressing like that I don't know, Dom. Dom ain't never. Uh, Dom, you ever applied for a job? <laughs> I, never, I never applied for a job in my life. The, the closest thing I would say applying to a job application is um, filling out my application to go to like UVA. Pretty much, like I never. <laughs> I always worked at the car wash, and then after that, I played football. Then I came to the engineering firm. I went back to the car wash. Then I came to the engineering firm and started helping hands and all that stuff over here. So, yeah, I never. But you got a resume? I'm about yeah. to ask you, do you have a resume? Yeah, before I even, before I even, when, uh, when, the second time I hurt my shoulder, my dad put pressure on me for like a month to come up with a resume. So I finally sat down and did it. But I had to get hurt first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But why'd your dad make you put, put together a resume to go work for him? <laughs> just, just, just to have one, man. You know, like, you know, you can yeah, have one. Yeah, Hey, dog, before yeah. I hire you, boy, you better get that resume together. I see the guy ain't going hire you. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm glad he did it, though, because I really didn't know how to put together a resume. So at least I know how to do it. In my experiences, bro, with applying for jobs, I'm old for like 50. I ain't never been accepted. I mean, I got master's, uh, UVA degree, you know what I'm saying, pictures, everything, NFL experience, and I, I applied for multiple jobs. They never got it. I think the only person that ever gave me a call back was like uh, – insurance company or not insurance company was it insurance yeah i think it was like insurance and uh they're like we're looking for athletes or something like that this is when you know this is like me post post kick cfl with an achilles just figured out life <laughs> just figured out life and uh yeah. and i got called back and i remember i went to that meeting i'm like man why am i in here man why am i in here these people about to just try to make money off my back you know what i'm saying um so yeah then I did you guys ever do we ever? Oh, I, I did not mean to cut you off. I was like, did you guys ever use the UVA, the UVA resources, like post-graduation? Oh, that's why we got um, We wanted to hear what your resources are. I want to know what the resources are, first of all. Because we always talk about like the alumni network. But mm-hmm. the, alumni, the alumni network for us, from what the experience that we've done in talking to people, has not been... Non-existent. Yeah. yeah. Not what they trade in the first place, let's put it that way. 
But I can't, I can't speak for them. I didn't. I always knew I was going to come back to Philly, and I never really tried as much as probably Max and Chase did to tap into it. But from what I hear, it's not what people say it is. I think if I stayed in the D.C. area, I could have I could have uh, did something with the UVA network. Um, but like going to Kentucky, it's not it's not. Man, you ain't getting nothing done out there. <laughs> So and, and I don't know what other UVA resources there is. So, Luan, do you know of any? What is what resources did you use, if any? Um. So I know the the tool. I don't know if they upgraded it by the time I left, but there was a tool called Handshake that I know, like even alumni can still use. Um, yeah, yeah. I use I Handshake you to have, hire for my company now. Oh, you do? Okay, from, yeah. From so I think you have to log. Okay, I think you have to log in for your UVA info though. So I don't know if people still remember that, but um. If you have like, <laughs> I'm not trying to say that you all. <laughs> no, you probably like, right. I guess go ahead, go ahead. I was like, if you still have it, <laughs> but um, I know they were saying they were telling us that once we graduate, we can still use Handshake, and I thought that was pretty cool because like it's just a tool that filters like that provides jobs to just UVA people. Um, yeah. So the openings are just for students that graduate from UVA or go to UVA. Um, I haven't, I mean, I haven't used it since then. So I've still been in the same job, but um, I remember I took note of that and I was like, okay, next time I'm looking for a job, I can do that. And then the career center too. I mean, I still get emails like, cause I was going there a lot from them. So I, I think if they they were telling us that you can always email your resume and set up a phone call if you're an alumni and they'll look over it for you if you're like trying to transition jobs. So, I mean, yeah, again, I haven't done these things, but I just took note of that for next time if I am looking for a new job. Um, uh, so, yeah, I use Handshake for hiring for uh, uh, Easy Turn um, as far as like internships, paid internships, and things of that nature. So, I am familiar with that, but it definitely wasn't available when we were in school. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah. I think because I, I remember when I started, wasn't it like I think it was just like a UVA career thing, like a some site. I don't remember what it was called. Handshake started my like my second year or my third year of college. What? Um, what? So yeah. That's what's up. Before we move on, Dom, Max, do y'all know y'all UVA emails. <laughs> Yo, so for real, I mine worked up until like two months ago. Like I still oh, use yeah? mine. And then- like MMA4 or something like that? MM4AZ. I still know my password. T question. MM4AZ. But uh, <laughs> I my password and everything because uh, I was using that joint for a while. Um, and then uh, like two months ago, it just stopped working on me. Remember, I remember oh, no. I didn't use. I know there was a cutoff date. <laughs> remember, I didn't, I remember I didn't use like, I only used email for Virginia for like Virginia stuff. Like, I didn't use nothing for outside things because Virginia monitors their entire email uh, platform, so uh, you couldn't put no outside things. Like, like I, th- I think hey, we were there, like, there was a situation of, like, downloading music. Like, you couldn't download music. If you was downloading music through your uh, email, like, there was some type of punishment for that. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, like if you got LimeWire or something like that? Uh, I do remember that. Uh, but yeah, I used my when I first graduated because at that at Virginia.edu. So when you apply to jobs, go and put that on top of the resume. Mm-hmm. Already top of the resume. That's yeah. already. already. Don, what's your what's your day? Nah, hell no. Don Joe, you on mute, bro? Hey yo, hey yo, my bad, yo, hey, <laughs> my bad. Um, my drawing is a DJ two R at Virginia.edu. You know what I'm saying? DJ I don't use it though. I use it. I pretty much use it just for like my password. Where I don't even. I don't even know how to log on to my thing anymore. To be honest with you, where'd it even go? So. <laughs> um. All right. So let's let's keep this moving. So all right, you got a you got a solid job. Got a uh, a good opportunity that you know a lot of people would would want. Um. When did you realize that you wanted to start? You know figuring out how to create incomes and streams outside of uh, your work and, and why did you have that thought process? Yeah. So that started um, like around 2018, like when I was one year into the job. Um, so my job took me back home to the DMV area and 
because of that, I um, moved back home. So I was thinking like, okay, I'm going a, I'm to a maybe live here for a few months, figure myself out, then maybe transition to an apartment or something and whatnot. So at my job, I travel a lot and I live, my parents' home is right by the airport, right by Reagan. So I was just getting really comfortable being like 10 minutes away. So I continued to stay and stay, but staying home made me save money. So when I was a year in, um, I was in my, in my, in my role, I wasn't too sure if I liked the job I was at and I felt like I might want to transition. I might not. Um, but that uncertainty made me like kind of uneasy because I was like, okay, well, I'm going to need to have another stream of income if I'm going to not have a job, like, you know, try to transition to a new job. So I try to think of the things that I was like passionate about outside of just, you know, what I, I mean, the job I was doing. And that's when real estate kind of came to mind. Um, so that's when I, I'm the type of person that like, okay, like if something comes to me, like I'm like, okay, this is what I'm passionate about. I like this. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start and I'm going to do it. So um, that's when I, you know, took on the real estate role and got more serious in that and got my license and, you know, started investing and so forth. Um, But yeah, the way I went to a second stream of income is because, you know, your job can just go away so fast and like a nine to five is never guaranteed. So it's always important. And I, you know, I was seeing people get laid off and so forth. So I just realized that it's really important that we have multiple streams of income in case things don't fall through, you know, don't happen the way we want it to happen. That's real. And I think like an important thing that you just kind of said was like, a lot of people don't want to be staying with their parents, but the the amount of money that you're able to save in that time frame, I think it even, oh, it's, even yeah. a step for, it's even a step for people like that. Maybe like, I mean, um, shoot, 30 something. If you're trying to get ahead and trying to get that time to start and putting investments in, you really got to find a way to lower your expenses and, and stack your incomes um, in order to put down those the the capital needed to to start building yeah. those those passive streams of income. So that was actually a yeah. benefit in your in your situation for sure. Yeah, I mean it's like um I mean monetarily, yes, definitely a benefit. But like, you know, <laughs> my mindset and my emotional mental state was definitely <laughs> took a toll because I'm like, I cannot believe I've been living on my own for like almost like for four years and then now I'm back home. And it just I have to realize though I mean, the one crazy, I just redid my whole room, I remember, because um, I needed it to look like a college graduate room. I was like, I can't have this look like my old bedroom in high school. Um, <laughs> I was like trying to mentally make my home like a better space for like a young adult. And, um, but it wasn't until like, like I hated it to begin with, but it was like cool. But once I like bought my first home and, you know, I saw that like this only could have happened if I, like at the age that I did it, it only could have happened if I lived at home and saved the money, like save as much as I did. So I was mm-hmm. still, then I became grateful for the fact that like I had the opportunity to live at home. So I can help my parents out, you know, financially when I need to, and then also do my own thing. So what was your first real estate? Uh, did you become a realtor first or did you look for a property to purchase first? What was your first real estate endeavor? And, and and where were you doing your research at or learning at? Were you doing like YouTube or a podcast? Like how were you learning about the space while also doing uh, your your job? Yeah, so um, I got so I took the real estate class first. So let's say I took the, I remember I took the class in September of 2018, but I was already um, started the home buying process while I was taking the class because I wanted while I was taking the class I was also using the information I learned to my advantage. So when I was um, like in the process, I'll know what certain words were meaning. Cause I'm not, I know like I had an agent, but like, I'm not the type of person to like rely on something so big on someone else. Like, you know, this is the biggest purchase of your life. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like I trust you, but like, I also want to know what's going on too. Um, so that's kind of like the mentality I had throughout it. So I closed on my home in December of 20 or November, November, December of 2018. And then I got my license in 20, in March of 2019. So it was like a few months later, I got my real estate license. And the reason why I actually wanted my real estate license is, um, one, I, you know, being first generation and like had growing up with a lot of 
Eritrean and Ethiopian people who um, have like my like my parents' age who don't know how to build their generational wealth. You know, being a foreigner into this country, um, I, that gap kind of like started to bother me more because um, my parents couldn't buy their first home until I was like in high school, and it's like a condo. So, and it's they kind of like just not they're not knowing was like bothering me. So I felt like I could get a license because I could speak my I could speak my language fluently. So I felt like I could help people who are from where I'm from and are kind of older and you know a little bit scared get that start jump start for their children, you know, to have that life with a home and so forth and build um, assets for them. So that was one, that was like kind of like the first reason. I just, I love real estate. Like the idea of like helping people build generational wealth, like especially African-American people. I mean, you know, we were not that we couldn't get that. So it's like, it's a fun, it's a fun side hustle for me and rewarding at the same time. For sure. So, when you purchased your first house, did you purchase it with an uh, as an investment uh, opportunity? Like, how was how was that? Did you you renting it out? Construction? How did you go through the mm-hmm. whole process? Yeah, so um, it's it is an it's an investment property. It is being rented out. Um, it's on year two right now. On um, the same tenants are just renewed their lease. Um, so the process was I closed around the end of twenty eighteen. And so the home I bought, which is kind of what I would recommend for people who are interested in being in the the landlord type of realm of their life um, for investment properties is buy a home that's like livable, but just kind of like very outdated. Um, The home that I bought, there was like an older lady living in it. So it obviously wasn't like tore up, tore up, but it was just very outdated, very, very outdated. So, um, it, and by that, I mean, like, it doesn't cost too much to upgrade. It costs more mm-hmm. to, like, renovate. <laughs> but when you're going to have tenants, you don't need, like, the best things. So you're mostly just upgrading everything. So that's what I did. So I hired a contractor that I got um, that was recommended by my cousin. And he, like, you know, the flooring was, I used the original wood that was under the carpet and just cleaned it up. So that was cheaper to do than buy new wood. Um you know, I just painted the walls and the the kitchen was a renovation and the basement was a renovation. That was, that was, the basement was horrible. Um, I added like an extra bedroom and an extra bathroom and the process took around like close to four, like four months to like completely finish. Um, did you do like the it. plans? Did you do the plans or the contractor did the plans as far as like what we're going to do in this space? Um, I did, cause I'm assuming it's your first one. I know some yeah. people go hire like, um, um, architects and things of that nature to draw, do drawings. Um, did you do anything like that, or did you just let the contractor suggest you suggest to you some things to do? Yeah, I just let the contractor suggest for me um, what to do. He he kind of has like this architectural mindset. He would draw out how it would look for me, like online um, and visually. Like it was like a. I used to think I was like, how does he know how to do this stuff? But I didn't ask too many questions. Um, so anything like the kitchen in the basement, he would draw it out and then email it to me. And, um, I was like, okay, I like this. Like I would tell him that I like this, or I want to want to move this here and here. Um, but that was only for the kitchen and the basement because everything else was like an upgrade, like the bathroom. I just upgraded the appliances and painted it. I didn't like retile or do anything. And then the floor, I just put like new vinyl. Um, so, you know, cause I'm like, again, I'm leaving people in these homes. Like they're tenants, and I'm not living there, so I don't need to have the best of the best. Solid. So, mm-hmm. a whole other stream of income monthly, uh, and, and you know, just stacking on top of the nine to five. So, what do you? Uh, I, I said, would you recommend the real estate process for people like in your shoes that are younger? I mean, obviously, we would do it. We, me, Don, and Max, we already doing things of that nature. But you know, at a younger state, I, I wasn't really thinking like that. Not sure if you guys were Dominic. I wish when I was in the NFL, I was investing in real estate. I swear. Um, But, um, you know, being young like yourself and doing that, I think that's very, that's very dope. And, you know, I was wondering if anybody else in your class is thinking like that. Are you like, um, you know, are you, are you kind of like being, showing them or telling them to do those type of things as well and how easy you are 
the process of, you know, building that, that second stream of income can be through real estate. Yeah. Um, that's actually like my big push now when, um, I'm talking to like younger people, especially even like UVA alum. I just helped a UVA alum close on her home in September, her first home. And, um, so I, I like definitely push that. Like I, I definitely preach it to people. I mean, because like I was able to say, I stayed, you know, a lot of people don't just live at home after college. That's not too typical. I don't think. Um, so I guess I was able to save a lot of money, but you know, there's still ways to save money while renting too. Mm-hmm. And there's still ways to like, um, you know, for there's construction loans that you can take out, um, like renovation loans that are available to people if that's the route you want to take, where it's buying a home, um, renovating it, you know, and then renting it or Airbnb it or whatnot. So, um, that's kind of like also another reason why I got my license. So I can just explain that to people that you don't just have to have like 50K saved up, you know, like people don't just don't have that like right out of college. That's just not a thing. So um, if you want to be in, like, you know, in your mid twenties or like early, early, I guess kind of mid twenties, like twenties trying to get started in this process. Um, I definitely do explain to people what their options are for sure. Awesome. So before we get into Dom and Max questions, what is kind of your goals going forward? Um, not just in real estate, but in general, um, you know, but give us your real estate goals as well. Yeah, my goals moving forward. Well, eventually I do want to, you know, have my streams of income funding me. <laughs> That'll be great. Um, yeah. My my goals are I want to, um, hopefully I can, I'm trying to find another property by the end of this year. It's like short-term goals. Um but yeah, my I mean, long-term goals is that I do want to open up some businesses, um, have some business ideas, and I'm hoping I can do that with my real estate, the stream of income I'm getting from my real estate and my job to like, you know, venture out into like opening up a business or two down the line, maybe like in my mm-hmm. 30s or something. Um, but yeah, again, it's just making my, using my money to make more money. It's my big thing. Um, and, I, and I feel like if I start now, you know, I'm 25. I'm hoping by I'm th- when I'm 35, I'll have so many streams. Of, like, you know, I'll have hella properties and so many streams of income coming in that, like, maybe I don't even need to work. <laughs> it's like so many my streams, streams of income. income. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> do you invest in stocks? Yeah. Do I invest in stocks? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, I do invest in stock. I'm probably not like... I do, but I'm not that heavy invested. But I do invest in stock, yes. Okay, wait. I actually want to um, like start an investment group. That'll be cool. Yeah, that's dope. There's definitely some things that can uh, help people get started. Um, is understanding because you know a lot of these things there people just don't know. You know, and yeah. like you said, the education gap is low, especially I would say in stocks and real estate investing. Um, entrepreneurship is starting to pick back it's, it's starting to pick up i guess but we're trying to push that forward as a possible stream of income but essentially you know generational wealth is going to be built off of entrepreneurship um and investments you know what i'm saying so yeah. ca- cash flow and uh investments so that's that's really the goal and just education in those in those spaces um, yeah if you guys know anything i mean like that's what, like stocks is something that like I know a little bit, but not too much. So if you guys know a lot of my stocks, I definitely would love to <laughs> when once we're you know done with the podcast and so forth, like get your tips on it and choose and see what resources you guys use. I mean, that's the value of having networks too. So mm-hmm. one more question before I get a dominant man um uh, question. How is it like being young and black, female and corporate? Even though you kind of you work on you you work fully remote though, right? Yeah, yeah, fully remote, technically. Yeah. How has your experience been? Is it has it been hard to learn that space, or is a lot of the company? I'm I'm just saying, like IBM is like an old company. Is it is mm-hmm. it like is it like old people around you as well? Like how is your experience <laughs> in corporate America? The old people. Um, it's funny because when I was when I got hired, IBM's been trying to rebrand themselves from that to being like a more younger, hipper kind of company because of competition. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm like, ooh, I found whole saying that. <laughs> more um, more hip or, you know, kind of company. But because their competition is like Amazon and Microsoft. So they need to like 
be like that somehow. But um, yeah, I mean, being a black female, it was hard starting out, not going to lie. Um, I definitely felt very intimidated in the role, especially because I wasn't, didn't have too much of a business background. Um, but the one thing I'd be in that's great is that they give you this, like six months training that we did to help us get acclimated to this, what we're going to be doing for, you know, as, as long as we're there. But, um, which was great, but yeah, it was, it was hard. And I, I definitely went through some trial and errors, um, while in the company. And, but I, I mean, my manager now is great. And, um, he helped me, you know, kind of helped me boost my confidence and to, to tell me that like, I can do it. Like I can do well in this company. So I was, um, I've been promoted twice in the past three years. So, um, I feel like I'm doing something right, you know, like it's, it's going good. Like it's like, I'm getting there, but, um, yeah, it's hard being a black woman in the corporate world, no matter what, no matter how long you've been in it, no matter what your role is. Like, even if I'm moving up, I, I can still tell that when I'm in meetings that I'm running, that people don't trust my, what I'm saying. Like they need a mm-hmm. second voice or something like a male or I don't know. And it's cool. I just take it and just keep it moving because, you know, don't worry. I'm going to still keep moving up regardless if you don't believe that I'm capable of it. So that's the way I think about it. So definitely perseverance. That's what's up. I remember like, um, I don't feel it as much no more since I hit 30, but when I was like 25, 26, all the way up to 28, like I always thought that that would be like when I go meet with people for meetings. I'd always think, especially because, you know, if Dom and them, they go meet. They got, come on, Dom got the grizzly. He got all this hamburger meat on. <laughs> he got the hamburger meat. <laughs> he got a different look when he go into the meetings, bro. But when I go to the meetings, bro, I feel like it's, I've always had a, like, insecurity of, like, um, if you know, like, is he old enough to, to understand business to that level? Especially in, or somebody I can trust. You know, when you get mm-hmm. the contracts, like the contracts we get, um, you know, it's, it, you kind of have to some people are more comfortable with going with people that, that have a seasoned experience. Even though you may be better exactly. at the job, they just mm-hmm. go off appearance and perception. I think a perception is a big thing. And there's a, a perception of youth can be bad in, in some spaces. And I thought that I always had that feeling that the youth perception yeah. would hurt in our, in our were, space. Yeah, I, I and that's that's key, especially in my space. Like, I, I mean, my role, my peers are like all in their late 30s or 40s or 50s so mm-hmm. I'm the youngest one like in the sense um for the most part from in my group so it's it's actually kind of yeah it's it's always intimidating when we have to present like in our quarterly basis reviews and like I'm the youngest one presenting I used to just like get so nervous in the beginning um but now I'm mm-hmm. so used to it now I'm like okay whatever but um actually one thing one thing that I, um, I noticed that companies actually do care about now that I'm in the corporate world is where you go to school is low-key going to define you in the corporate world. Um, I used to get introduced, and I still do today, as this is Luam. She graduated from UVA. And I'm like, I graduated from UVA three years ago. I'm like, I've been at this company for three years. I'm like, this is not who I am no more. But, I mean, it's just like an identity. Them. And then in the beginning, when yeah. I first started, it was, it was a lot. Like, they were continuing to say that. Me and my manager says all the time. And, like, it's cool, but I could tell that they thought of me a certain type of way because I graduated from UVA. Like, that UVA yeah. name holds so much weight. Like, so much weight. Um, so, I definitely appreciate UVA for that because <laughs> that's how I was going to move around. So. That's, that's worth it. That's, worth the, that's mm-hmm. worth the price of admission right there. To get the yeah. uh, you 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 uh Lawam from UVA, you know what I'm saying? So uh, that's pretty dope. Dom, like Max, give, give me some questions. <laughs> um, first, yeah, yeah, let's just uh elaborate on um finishing touch DMV. What, what you got going on there, sis? Oh, finishing touch, yes. <laughs> um, that's like a new, it's a new, um, very very new company, um that my friend and I started. So I don't know if you guys are familiar, if you guys seen even seen the page, but um it's like, you know, the different cheese boards that are made in like different events that you go to. And I'm not talking like a basic cheese board with just cheese and meat and crackers, but like elegant ones with like fruit and like some nuts and stuff like that. So um not those craft not those craft singles. 
Yeah, nacho crab singles, <laughs> some gourmet cheese, <laughs> some brie. Um, so my uh, my best friend and I, well, my best friend and her family, they they make these great boards every time at family events. And I always told her, like, you need to do this as a business. Like, this is not, like, people would want this for their events, especially now during quarantine. So I kind of like pushed her the last couple of months. I'm like, I'll do this with you. Like I partner up with you. Now I put I put money into it. Like because I believed in it. So um, we it's just it's very new. Like kind of started last month. But yeah. So the the company um, we kind of like let's say cater board. Like it's like a catering company, but you can also purchase a board if you want. But you rent the board and like we'll we'll um, it's a custom made board. So we'll set up the board the way you want based off of your preference. Like if you like blue cheese or if you like brie, if you like Parmesan, like you'll let us know and we'll put it on the board and make it look really nice for any event that you have. So like whether it's like a birthday or, you know, like a anniversary and so forth. Um, but yeah, people need that now more than anything because everything's in the house. So why not upgrade your life with finishing touch? Just a little bit. Yeah, not a not a stream of income. I'm trying to work on. Just keep working. <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up. Oh, no, that's, How's it going? That's so because like um, it's it's the picturesque thing. You know, we're in a generation of people taking pictures of things. It's not necessarily like oh, it's a, a necessity. But you know, I'd rather have an event that got this this picture and you know this is going to be on the Instagram stories. You know what I'm saying? So finding a way to to brand it and, and get that capture like you that's your guys' product via like a yeah. that that'll be dope yeah, yeah and it takes and it takes a long time to like i when i was taught how to make them from my friend it takes a little while to make those boards because you have to make it a certain way and have everything placed a certain way so it also just takes a labor out of someone else who wants their who wants that type of elegant event you know and they can just literally purchase it for like 20 30 dollars and have something like that in their house and like an easy, easy snack, you know, versus, you know, chips and dip. You got a nice board with a whole bunch of hey. options. So. Hey, I'm a chips <laughs> and dip person. Tostitos, Tostitos, uh, Scoops, We're going to need to uh, upgrade your life, Chase, with some <laughs> Okay? We're going to need to upgrade. <laughs> hey, that's Tostitos, Scoops, and the, and, the, uh, and the salsa, you good. Um, but no, that's dope. I didn't even know you was doing that. So that's how Dom do his research. I know it, it just started like a like a month ago. It's very new. That's what's up. Well, the first thing is starting for sure. Max, man, you got anything you want to uh, you know, say bring to the podcast today? Yeah, I, I got a question, and it's got to be a long answer. Um, but basically, <laughs> I was being in. I've been looking at multifamilies. Do you see with this virus and stuff, people really moving out of the cities and the multifamily and then moving into kind of more single family homes since there's going to be a lot more work from home? Or do you still think that, you know, multifamily is the play if you're looking to invest? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, so like, I don't want to, it's like, I see both. It's kind of hard. So, I mean, multifamily, like, the D four in the DC area to buy multifamily units very expensive. Very very expensive. Um, right. So I know in the DC area, it's kind of been less of done less. Um, what people have been doing more is doing buying a townhouse and just renting out the basement separately, like having a walkout basement, buying a townhouse with a walkout basement, and renting mm. that out separately, or Airbnb being both. So having two units within one townhouse. Because that's more affordable nowadays in the D.C. area versus trying to buy a multi-unit property. Um, I've seen people still investing now in multi-units. But, I mean, people have been more so focused on their future because of the pandemic. I feel like this pandemic really woke people up and it's like, I need to have things secure. And security means, like, having your home ready and, you know, having your life set up, which is not – investing is a risk. Um, but like buying your own home to live in for long term is just kind of an investment on yourself. So it's something that you want to have to do. So it's like I've seen both. I've had a client that is like looking into multi units, but I also have a client who's looking into a single home outside of the city 
because they just, they don't, they're scared that like if a recession hits, like they want to be secure on their home and want to have something that's theirs first. They're like selling their investment to have that, to have that home, mm-hmm. a single family home. So I've seen both happen. That's why I can't give you a clear answer, but I think it is more pandemic is definitely gearing less multi, more security, I think, in my opinion. How is the DMV treating like uh, rent and mortgages? Because um, Kentucky, they just announced like the governor is giving some type of fund or grant for um, to keep people from being evicted. So basically, he's paying for like mm-hmm. a couple months of rent and stuff like that. Are y'all doing anything like that in the uh, Northern Virginia area? I know DC had like a rent control for a while. So I'm not too familiar what's been going on like in Maryland. I know Virginia. I didn't, I didn't hear anything in from Virginia, but I know DC had rent control that like you couldn't raise the rent um, for a while, and which was for me it was fine. My my lease wasn't up, and I'm not you know I'm not a, I'm not gonna like raise rent on people who are going through stuff. So that's not what type of person I am, anyways. But um, but I know that did take a toll for some landlords. Some landlords were very upset because their lease was coming up. It was during the summer, like June, May. Um, that was a big thing, but, um, I know, and I know programs have been trying to assist people, but I'm fortunate enough to have, my tenants still have their jobs. So like, I haven't been impacted from non-payments from my tenants. Um, fingers crossed, keep <laughs> knock on wood real quick. Um, but I know other, I know like different landlords I know in DC have had that issue with their tenants and their tenants are trying, are seeking programs that DC are offering. So I think it is available, but I don't think it's hard to get. Yeah, thanks for having me. They had a stop on evictions through August um, through like DC, Maryland, I think Virginia. Um, Was it Virginia too? I, I, I know DC, Maryland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but so I I believe that ran out the first of this month though. Don't quote me on that, but I believe um, through August they couldn't do evictions. Um, but now, so I believe that ran out, and then uh, I'm not hundred sure how the um, the rent forgiveness is with the banks. Um, I got to figure out when that runs out. But I know mine. I could have kept mine through October, but I'm I'm just paying it because I still have a renter. Um, but they offered me to, to do it through October. So I mean, that's mm-hmm. not Maryland. I don't know about DC. That's Maryland. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah, it's crazy how it varies from each like DC, Maryland and Virginia, even though we like are all 20 minutes apart. <laughs> and so like, but the rules vary from each one. Yeah. I know. I think September 1st was the date and I don't remember hearing anything about a renewal for that, for that eviction notice. So. Um, yeah, which is crazy. I mean, we still have one stimulus check. <laughs> um, some people are not really getting money, especially tenants who aren't working. So it's unfortunate. That's real. All right. Well, I guess that is the podcast. Luam, appreciate you for being on here. Can you let everybody know where they can find you, reach you, follow you, all those different types of things? Yes. Thank you guys for having me. I mean, I really appreciate it. Um, you guys taking out the time to hear me out too, but, um, so reach me out. Um, my Instagram is Lulu L U L U and another U R E. Um, if you have any questions about getting your first job or even getting a job in private sector or about real estate, hit me up or about finishing touch too. If you want a nice board, um, I love to talk and, you know, give up give out my pros and what I've done right, what I've done wrong, and just help another person not make the same mistakes I've made as I've gone through this journey. So hit me up on Instagram. That's great. And thank you guys again for everything. Thank you. Gas of the week this week is, I put on my story today, the attempt to be great will be respected as much as the actual success. And I was thinking about that process because I posted a picture of John Morant, the basketball player, dunking on Kevin Love. He was on a poster, but he didn't even make the dunk. And I realized mm-hmm. people will praise the actual attempt to be great just as much as they would, would have praised it if you successfully did it. So yep. the, the ability for people to actually go and take that leap and take that jump is just as respected. So don't fear it. Take the jump. Take the leap. Everybody's going to respect you trying more than they will expect you uh, not trying. 
and I was thinking about Dom in general with football. Like, if somebody tried you deep at the beginning, you'd be you'd be like, all right, I gotta get them kudos on that. That's respect right there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just that opportunity, man. Trying stuff that people usually don't try is gonna is gonna get a lot of respect in the space. So be respected, not like, well, holler you guys next week. We out. That's it for today's episode. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and follow us on Instagram at CTC Podcast. Catch you next week.